Welcome to episode 801 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 801 of I Am Talk with Coach John Yes and Bevan James Oz. Can I get your autograph, please? Yes, you can. Yep. yep. You're lucky I'm here today. I feel, you know, I saw the paparazzi mm-hmm. outside my house waiting for you to turn up. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I don't know if I can handle his fame in the room today. Yeah, that's right. In case you don't know, in New Zealand, I was watching the news last, what, what night, Monday night? Sunday. Sunday night, I was watching news. Sport comes, I love sport. Sunday night, sports always good. And Formula One. Yeah. It was a big story in the Formula One, so I was looking forward to watching it. I think the third story was a triathlon in Christchurch. Yeah. And they'd done a piece on the Oxman. I was like, whoa. And they did an awesome piece. They did do it. And uh, I even featured, so that was that's a pinnacle. Well, that was the thing, because they did, um, Jordan, she's lovely. Jordan Lopper. Yep. Yeah, she does great work. Um, she, you know, the angle was getting the rural, getting local, kind of good race. It was a really nice angle. Town meets the country. Town meets country. And I was like, Where, where's, where's the race director in this? And then later on in the piece, this sharp, smooth guy, he looks like he's had a haircut recently. You know, just come it, on. It was a two-minute piece as well. Yeah. It was, it was solid. Yeah, it was really good, wasn't it? I was slightly concerned I wasn't going to make the cut because I performed poorly with my interview. I was like, that, I was rubbish oh, with that. Really? Like, Didn't come across rubbish on TV. I know. It is as well. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> so anyway. That why, was, why did you think you were rubbish? I just didn't, ha- I didn't really anticipate the questions very well and just didn't give amazingly succinct answers like we do on this podcast the oh, whole time. Of course, yeah. yeah. We were a you know, really polished machine here. Broadcasting professionals. Uh, so I wasn't sure if it was going to make the cut. But I did, so it was great. So for, for overseas listeners, it was on our TVNZ Biggest News, network. which is our main channel. So it's like being on BBC One if you're in, or BBC News if you're in the BBC UK. BBC One. Uh, so it was pretty cool. So very good. So uh, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by Profile Design. Yes, these are our patrons partners. Get your hydration, your wheels, your storage units, aero bars, stems, handlebars. Check it out at profile-design.com. The Magic Five custom fitted swimming goggles. You've got some, haven't you? I will. I'll be. I haven't done my swim today. I was preparing for the show, so I'm going to be going off with little Thomas to do a swim later on this afternoon, probably in the rain. So check oh, them out. Oh, on holiday. Yeah, themagic5.com. And then we've also got World Triathlon Store. Now, that's where you get your awesome Iron Talk gear and team. I've talked many times about this. The mm. pads rock. Go get it. You can get three different colors. So click on to iamtalk.me, click on our store button, and then there's a whole range of gear, bike gear, running gear, socks, caps, everything you want. Uh, guys, if you sign up to be a patron of the show, you go into a draw to win some prizes from one of these companies uh, from our patron partners. So thank you to our patron partners, and let's also say thank you to our patrons, John. John, the Mitsa Muncy. We've got David Trimmer, Gridge. Is and it Gridge or is it, is it meant to Gidge, be I'd say Gidge. Okay. And Jonathan, the Squeeze Hiddleston. Okay, and this week's show, we've got some news, hot topic of the week. We've got a pretty good interview about some really powerful stuff happening. We have Sam Renoff, who's the CEO of the Professional Triathletes Organisation. I'm going to be interviewing him later on today. So if you're wondering why today's show is out a little bit late, it's because of partly of that, but also this news isn't being released to the rest of the world. They wouldn't let us release it tomorrow. until it's live. It's an embargo. So what time can we release it? Uh, I think it's like whatever, morning, whatever time it? I emailed you, Bevan. I think it's like 3 Some, in the morning. So I'm going to get up at 3 in the morning and release it, am I? Oh, I know those tricks. You're not doing that. You just set the time to release on, on Squarespace. I don't know if I trust that. Okay. No, you know, because you've got to do it through Libsyn. 
Okay. Yeah, so I think I'll okay, probably will. Okay, then you do have to get I'll up. Do, I'll do it four, when I get up at 4.45. Sweet. There we go. Um, okay, then, so that's that. Uh, and we've got some uh, Wing of the Week and questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, so the big news is PTO have got some news. Now, we are going to be talking to Sam with a lot more detail, but just give us a quick overview. Okay, so there's going to be more races coming Massive. out from the PTO. So they're going to have the greatest athletes on the planet. They're going to have million-dollar prize purses, global broadcasts, and age group racing. So there's going to be – we, we've talked about, you know, the other sports like tennis and golf, how you've got the US Open, the British Open, and so on. They've got those big four in those sports, and they're going to be working towards a similar thing with the PTO. They're going to have the Canadian Open in 2020, 2022, sorry. Uh, they're going to have the Collins Cup, and then they're going to have the US Open. And then in 2023, they're going to add on uh, the Asian Open and the, I think there's going to be a European Open as well. So uh, we'll find out if there's going to be more than that, but... Yeah, four races plus the plus. Now I'm going to ask questions up. which you're going to go, oh, do we wait to listen to the interview? But uh, do we know formats? No. So we just know that. We so, know nothing. Okay, all we know is Collins Cups is coming, which is already established, and then they get four opens. Canadian, which is interesting, though, Canadian Open. Yeah. You know, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, you think you would have gone America, Asia, Europe? Yeah, but you want to go where you've got your. I don't know, your, your links and your, and your potential sponsors and networks and so on. So. And that may well change, you know, it might be, yeah, might move from time to time. So the, the big thing other with this is also the age group racing, and we'll find out more about well, that, that to later me, that's on. a massive part. It's got to be massive for this to be sustainable long term, is, is to get good crowds. But, uh, it, so but it will, won't it? Sorry? Well, like, are you going to go, you know, because this is really interesting, because in some ways now they're becoming competition to Ironman. Mm. You know, like, you know, let's be honest, Ironman owns the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got World Triathlon, you've got challenge you've got you know some second tier players but really Ironman owns the sport Mm. um you know PTO have looked like up until this point in time that it's going to be a pro racing series bringing age group racing into it if you're if you're other than Kona now it depends on the races depends on you know but if you're looking it's probably going to be 70.3 level uh or or Olympics if you're looking at doing a 70.3 you know and you're going to go well I might do the Asian Open or just do my local 70.3 well, for me, it's more, yeah, it's, it's similar. Because uh, Rockstar's are going to be there. Yeah, that's the thing. If, you know, the things that need to tick my box is cool course. Yep. You get to actually see the pros racing, so maybe you have it on different days, um, and you've got that, that real buzz there. So I think they've got a real opportunity to make this pretty cool. Um, oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So question I have. Which if, I'm not going to be able to answer. Well, no, you might be able to answer this one. Actually, there's a couple of questions I have. First of all, five races a year. We're assuming we don't know distances, but you know, Collins Cup's kind of like a, a half. middle, yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they have iron um, or if they it's only half. Pros, are, you know, will they do all four or five? I wouldn't have thought so. So, you think if you're looking at it from a pro perspective, you're going to be you've got to do an Ironman somewhere. We're, we're talking long distance kind of. Yeah. Athletes, you got to do an Ironman somewhere to qualify. You potentially have to do another one. Most of them do two a year plus, kind of. You know, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So it's just got to going to be interesting to see how it fits in with with timing, um, and with seventy point three world champs. But you know, from a pro perspective, are you going to go do a seventy point three where there's a hundred thousand dollar prize purse versus a million dollar prize no purse? Way. No way. No way. So money, money talks. Uh, so I think this is going to be massive. If they're all iron resistances, which I'm sure they're not going to be, that makes it a little trickier. But I wouldn't be surprised. Well, we'll find out later on. But if at least one of them is an iron distance race, you'd think. So then the second question I have is early days. But if they're paying a million bucks at each of these races, mm-hmm. 
the, everyone's turning up. Mm. You know, because it'll pay deep. Yep. How long does this take for, to, to, to dilute Kona? I don't think it'll dilute Kona. Everyone's still going to want to do Kona, but it's going to... Do you re- think, but let's say, let's say they, they get their dream. So their dream is, you know, tennis model. This mm. is a tennis model, isn't it? You've basically mm. got the, the big opens and Collins Cup. If if it goes well and it does become something that the everyday person at least has a basic interest in, like me mm. with tennis. I don't really care about tennis, but I'll, I want to see who won Wimbledon. Mm. Um, so if it gets to that level, and it's, that's probably a 10, 15, 20-year journey, but let's say it does get there, where does Kona sit? Mm. Don't know, Bevan. I think it'll. T- I think it'll take a long time. To yeah, get totally. To that point, but but, but if, they, if they get to that point, if these are that household mm. name event races where they're paying big money, mm-hmm. kind of does become less of an mm. appealing True. thing. True. True. Yeah. I think the other thing of interest to me will be whether or not they team up with World Triathlon and end up having one of these as maybe the World Long Distance Championships, where oh, you yeah. can call yourself a legit world, world champ. champion. Like, uh, of course, you can call yourself a legit world champ. What is in Kona, if yeah. you go and win the world champs, the world triathlon one. But everyone knows it's like you did awesomely, well done. But the world, not everybody was there. You win one of these races, you're going to go. That's a legit. So world what title. happens if, let's say, the US Open is the Iron Distance race? Mm. They call that the world champs, sanctioned by mm. all the rock stars are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, is, that, is that more credibility than Kona? Not at the moment. It'll be like what it is this year for St George. It's a world title. It's going to be awesome. Pretty much everyone will be there, but it won't be the same yet. But as you said, maybe 20 years down the track, maybe it will be. Well, yeah, because then we look at the age group side of things. At this stage, they're just putting on the age groups, I imagine, with these races. Mm. But then it's going to be pretty popular. Mm-hmm. So then do they start to do a qualification thing where they start to do regional racing? You know, like really they're starting to build their own Ironman world here, aren't they? Yeah, but then you've got... You, you're sort of on a slippery slope. You don't want to be an Ironman with that many events. Then you just become a Why not? Then you just, I don't know. Uh, the feedback I get from people, a lot of people, is Ironman's just too corporate You know, they like a bit more grassroots side of things. And you think how big an organisation Ironman is with the number of events they've got around the world. I hate to think how many it is now, but you just kind of become another number. Whereas if they keep this a little smaller, um, Obviously, the races they do, you want to do them really, really well. But do you want to be putting on 200 races a year See, or, I, I, or, or well, doing, you know, six or seven really, really good? I don't know because, like, to me, what they're trying to put up here is a pretty big organisation. This ain't a local tier kind of thing they're trying to do here. They're trying to mm. be – they really are trying to become the owners of the sport. Mm. You know, that's what tennis did. Is tennis the, – the pros got together and said, actually, we should be running the sport. To me, like, because let's be honest – if the Asian champs are open, it's happening, and, and all the rock stars are going to turn up, mm. you want to go to that race, don't you? Mm, totally. You know, And so they're going to have a problem of people with supply and demand. Mm. So there's going to have to be some kind of qualification or, or lottery system or something like mm-hmm. that. So there's, there is a future where they're going to have to build their infrastructure behind it. Mm. Um, and if these become the appealing races to do, because right now, Kona is a golden ticket. I'll ask those questions to Sam later on and see if that is where Well, then my go. last question, which is an interesting question, it's not really a question, it's in a statement. Someone like Frodo has got to be, it, it's not gutted because he has a great career and he's made many, lots of money, but he's kind of timing out at the wrong time, isn't he? <laughs> you know, you think of the rugby players. So like rugby basically was an, it was an amateur sport to about 1995 and it came pro in 1995. and Almost overnight. Overnight. <laughs> and there was a lot of guys who basically were, were builders by trade, farmers, you know, everyday people. And basically being professional sportsmen without the money. Yeah. And then they finish in this next generation or cricket. In the last 10 years of cricket, mm. the money's gone from being, you know, you're a pro athlete, but it was a 
you know, it's a pretty okay lifestyle, whereas now they're making millions and millions. Mm. You know, someone like a Fredino who, if his career was starting now, if we, we would just go back 10 years and say he has this, he ends up with millions more dollars. Mm. So it's, some athletes will be a bit gutted age-wise yep. that they've got the timing of their career. So that's no, going to be interesting. You'll hear, hear more about it uh, and you actually get some answers later on from Sam Renouf rather than us uh, speculating about where they might be heading with it. Okay, we do have some other pieces of news. We are kind of in a slow news period, but uh, what's his name? Rolf? Rate Ratisperceps. Rat, uh, <laughs> it's 60 iron distance races in 60 consecutive days, which is bloody impressive. Well, what's and more impressive is the speed. The, the speed that he's done that. And he got hit by a car on day 14. So he, he did uh, a sub-12 or every day and finish, uh, except for two days, and one of those was when he had his crash. Uh, his average time was 10.57. That's impressive. His average run time was 3.15. Really? I didn't, uh, I didn't miss it. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, so he completed the effort with an average finish time of 10.57, which is phenomenal, yeah. but including an average 3.15 marathon per day. Oh. That is unbelievable. It really is. I'm, I mean, I... I'm slowing down a bit. I'd still be satisfied with a 3.15 and I'm sort of towards the front of the age group. That's, that is that very is impressive. A, and he's not young. How old is he? don't know, but he I followed all 41. the rules. How old is he? I think he's 40. I think Aridia is 41. That's impressive. Uh, he followed lots of rules. He, he sort of didn't have any drafting or anything like that. So it was a bit of a solo expedition or at least no drafting anyway. And he followed other sort of rules with regards to... Um, bike and you know, bike and, and not taking any IV drips or anything like that. So he did it on the same course or, or the same location each day, which makes life a little bit easier. But very impressive, did it in uh, the Plaitis Resort in the Canary Islands. That is bloody impressive. Mm. Six, you know, sixty, just doing sixty days of training consecutive. Well, no, sixty days of three-hour three half marathons mm. of marathons, three fifteen marathons. That'd be a bloody hard challenge. Yeah, that's impressive. Because what you expect of these guys is they bike like a beast and they kind of cruise the mm. run. Mm. Um, that's pff, nice work. Uh, what other piece of news? Do triathlon uh, sanctions the Russians. Bloody Russians! Jeez, <laughs> I've been the World Triathlon sanctioned them, so they're uh, they're in the the, the naughty corner for. What does it mean? Drug taking. Uh, so they're going to have to reach an agreement where their athletes are regularly tested. Uh, they've got to have an education plan for their athletes working in conjunction with World Triathlon. Uh, they've got to compensate any prize monies previously awarded to Russian triathletes who have been sanctioned. Uh, they've got to resign from any boards from World Triathlon or European Triathlon. Um, they can't organise any World or European Triathlon events and so on and so on. And they've got to pay all these costs uh, related to doing this. So naughty. Russia, very naughty. What do you do about Russia? I don't know. Because, you know, if you watch is it Icarus, Icarus. Um, you know, it was government-funded mm. cheating, wasn't it? You know, like mm. it was... It was now, to be honest, they may not be the only country in the world that does that kind Absolutely of stuff. Absolutely not. You know, so it's, but it's. And my thing is, if you live in a country with this poverty and this is your way out, you go, it's easy for us to criticise and go, you bloody cheating wankers and stuff. But well, the other God, thing is, is I guarantee not all Russian athletes are cheats. No, you know. So then it's unfortunate for the ones who aren't because they're getting painted with the same brush. But it is a big problem in sport, isn't mm. it? Okay. Uh, Last bit of news: some fast running. Morgan Peterson. Now he he's he's on par with you, isn't he? 
Yeah, I was. He he did extremely well pre Olympics, and I have sort of had him as a as a likely medalist. He came running through on a couple of those uh, world triathlon races. We got a medal in the teams. Sorry, he did get a medal, get a medal in the teams, but yep. he performed. Uh, he he completely bombed out in the individual race, but. And he doesn't. He's not a pretty runner, you know. You look at Alex Yee and you look at Hayden Wild, and yeah, they're quite classical, nice running styles to look at. Whereas Morgan Pearson, extremely fast, but not that pretty to look at. Uh, so he improved his personal best when he did a half marathon at the weekend, and he went a one oh one forty seven. Uh, and he was eighth place in the, the championship USA US sort of half marathon championships. That's bloody impressive. One oh one forty seven. That is really two fifty six per k for a triathlete. Uh, so that's one side of the story. The other side, Gwen Jorgensen, she just hasn't made it in running. It's so tough to watch. I don't do a lot of social media, but she is one person who is constantly posting on Instagram. Yeah, and she just constantly has bad races. Oh, really? It's just painful to watch you know what you've got this week's discussion and uh so i think this is gonna be this week's discussion what's the worst career move an athlete's made because <laughs> it kind of was wasn't it yeah you know because she was a olympic gold medalist she had, you know that, that was 2016 so she's still yeah. had a lot of time in the sport it was a bad move well, it was a bad move i, I don't come on you no know, it's a it's a, I, I, it is a bad move bad career but move. if you're not into if you don't want to carry on with it to stay at that high level it's something you're going i'm but not that high level and she put, but she put, that was all her passion. She wants to go and do running. I get that. What I find more disturbing is you just, she hasn't really improved. Yeah, That's she has It's like, I, I respect you want to go and see what you can do at running. You only get one shot at this, go for it. So I've got no issues with that. Agree, you're sacrificing a lot of money, but hey, they might be set up already. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, how much money do you really need? Um, but I just find it tough when someone's done that, they put themselves out there and they've just completely failed to deliver yeah, she's yeah. It was always ambitious. Mm. You know, it was always going to take a lot. Um, but she's got her days like today hit me hard. So she basically she underperformed. I think she ran one fifteen. Her previous best was one ten. Days like these hit me hard. I'm confronted with quitting, questioning why. But my why is exactly what keeps me going. I failed today, but the last few months have been so enjoyable for me. At some point, I'll call it quits. But they'll be after a race where I know what happened and why. So. Mm. Uh, disappointing for us. Mm-hmm. It would have been good if she was in the sport for the last five years. Totally. You know, so, um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, Outsider Interactive has joined forces with Ironman to broadcast the 70.3 World Champs and some other races around the world. So basically they've got together with Triathletes Parent Company and uh, they're going to be doing a five-year partnership where they'll be doing on-demand video and coverage of Ironman 70.3 events to the outside throughout to 2026. They're going to have 12 events, including Ironman 70.3 World Championships. They'll be broadcasting live on their, all their platforms, web, mobile, apps, and so on. So, Yes, we'll see a bit more 70.3 action, which will be nice. I imagine most of these will be American-based. Uh, what I hope they do is they come out with a 30 to 60 minute highlights package because I'm not going to sit there and watch a 70.3 where there's maybe five or six decent guys there. Uh, but I would love to watch a highlights package of 30 to 60 minutes. I man do all this coverage of races live, but you don't really see any good uh, highlights packages. So hopefully these guys are going to step do up and ever? do that. Sorry? Do they ever? Uh, well, Kona obviously do. And I just... No, but they don't, don't do they? Like, no. you know, like challenge... Yeah, challenge. They often do like highlight packages, wouldn't mm. they? So maybe they are out there, but I don't, they're not 
promoted very well, I don't see them. So so I was watching the news on Sunday night and there's, mm. a, there's amazing race happening. Mm. Probably the only race in the world that happened this weekend. It's, but did you hear the funny thing is the loser of a race director can't even get the, the run course accurate. You know, we, I talk oh, about run I course accuracy. News. I was, I, this race director oh. went out and he measured it twice to try to get it right. <laughs> did you get it wrong twice? And he, it looks like it was about 20 point Seven to 20.8 kilometres, supposed so to be 21. What went wrong? Well, I think my GPS must have been... Uh, so what happens, you've got about a one point... Well, I measured at 1.45 kilometres from the transition to the run turnaround, which is by the finish line. Yep. Measured that out. And then I thought, right, I've got to do... I think it was 3.275 kilometres from here out to my turn point. Measured that out. And I'm thinking, mm, this looks a little bit shorter than last year because I hadn't got a mark on the road. Measured it again. No, that, that seems right. GPS watches seem to be picking up twenty point, yeah, about twenty point eight kilometers. Mate. So I'm pretty. We've even got a section in the show: course accuracy. Fail, <laughs> fail, and this is the one where you shouldn't fail because it's just like literally a turnaround on a road. What a loser! Do you tell you what? You drive the rest of it. I, uh, I drive it with my GPS watch. Um, yeah. yeah. So I just, I think it was that first segment was slightly wrong. Anyway, apologies to Oxman Races for getting that distance uh, a couple of hundred meters wrong. It's not acceptable. That race director is embarrassed. Anyway, we did have some good results and some good racing. So tell us about it. At this event, we have uh, all sorts of events going on. We've got a kids race. We've got a half distance, uh, a sort of a sort of an Olympic-y type distance. We've got a junior race. Um, then we've got a duathlon and triathlon and all of them. We've got some running events. Uh, end up having, I think we had just over 400 entrants, which was pretty good for a New Zealand event. Uh, and for the first year, we had a, the duathletes take out the triathletes. So we had Sam Manson, who... I think he finished second or third in the coast to coast last year, maybe third. He actually ended up being first across the line. He was a Jew athlete, came home with a one nineteen twenty one. Second, second. I think he did get second. He was leading for quite a while. Yeah, he went early, but he, in some ways, he basically what happened was on the bike he got a bit of a breakaway mm. in the first league, and in the coast to coast you don't really go for it, and he went for it, mm. and now I think that hurt him at the end. So he he took out the race. Another coast to coaster was uh, second in the duathlon, Ryan Kizanowski. Uh, in the triathlon, we had Jared Millett take it out on the boys' side. He came through, defending champion from last year, came through late on the run, final lap to take it from Tom Somerville, who faded a bit on that uh, final run. He had a, a seven-minute lead coming off the bike, and Chris Cow was in third place uh, in four twenty-three, and Rebecca Clark. Dominated the dojo, or not quite dojo domination, but pretty close to it. Uh, she went a 4 30 30, um, 18 minutes in front of Fiona Gallagher with Danielle Donaldson in third place. Um, Rebecca Clark smoked all the boys in the swim. She had like over two minutes on all the boys coming out of the swim. So she's a, a pro athlete um, and did extremely well to show the boys how it was done in the swim. Good right. Andrew here on the, the female mini Oxman. Yep, so that was sort of a, that was a 750 swim, 42k bike, about an 8k run. Uh, so she did well, and she's sensible because the weather conditions were substandard. It I was, thought it was going to be right for you because it was kind of just overcast here. It was a bit cloudy start, a few patches of drizzle coming across, but apparently midway through the bike course, it was horrendous. <laughs> just. Fairly heavy rain and fr- it was not warm at all. It was freezing cold and we had a few DNFs because they just froze. Your good old gal Harvey Haywood, oh, yeah. uh, she was, couldn't eat anything because her hands was, one oh, of those really? days her hands were so cold. Mm. Got into transition, cramping up all over uh, and a lot of people really struggled with the cold. Andrew Hewitt, however, 
she was, uh, I'm sure she still, she struggles with the cold, but saw her running along. She had a long sleeve sort of bike jersey on and uh, did the sensible thing. So the tip out of this is if you're going to a race where the weather is likely to be rubbish out there, take that minute to put some clothes on and have a think about your wardrobe, you know, going into Christmas and you get all the end of year sales. Think about some gear you can wear when in a race that's going to be nice and tight that you're comfortable wearing when the weather's rubbish, not a big baggy jacket. I did. I actually did the Black, Black Friday thing. I went right. and bought my new shoes mm-hmm. on Black Friday mm-hmm. um, from 300 to 120. Nice. Yeah, so definitely like Black Friday can be a bit of a rip-off because sometimes mm-hmm. they actually not really sales. Yeah. But if you know your products, like, you know, like I probably should have bought three pairs because mm. I always buy the same shoe, you yeah. know, you know, so, you know, that's a good little trick for, for the yeah, tight asses like yeah. us. <laughs> Any other stories from the day? No, that was about it. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll post on our Facebook page my little news story. I'll just got to chuck it up onto YouTube and I'll put it up there so you guys can check it out. How did you uh, get it? You just record it off? Uh, I use QuickTime oh, to yeah. record the screen recording yep. off the computer. Yep. So good times, good weekend. But I tell you, I was, um, I'm was i planning on having an iron distance race here. I keep having this idea. I want to do an iron distance race out Is there. Is it worth it? Because um, you're not getting a huge amount of people, are you? No, I'd, I'd, I'd make sure he had a minimum of 100 before even contemplating it. But even then, is it worth it? Uh, I'm still, like my eyes were a bit droopy over here, Bevan, yeah. <laughs> the half, it's, because I'm a bit of a one-man band, it is, it's a massive effort and uh, it takes me f- yeah, several so days. So why would you want to put an iron Well, there's, there's none. In New Zealand, we've got one iron distance race. So it's partly because, bloody hell, we just need another one there and I'd probably do it like every three years or something like that. So it's not something I would definitely want to do every year. Okay, here's, here's my argument against it. And I'm sure people are saying, shut up, even like I do an Ironman. But Warnock never really took off. Yeah, but it, it was, yeah, I agree. It is um, a pretty good course. It is a good course. Things have moved on a little bit from there. They were, you know, they, they got a couple um, of hundred and then it sort of yeah. petered off a little bit. Um, but I've done the maths on it. You know, if, you, if you're getting a couple of hundred, you know, and if you keep it at the sort of same, the way I want to pitch it is pretty grassroots sort of level, then you can make it work, definitely. Okay. Well, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> You're a keen man yeah. as you sit here with droopy eyes. Yeah. Uh, okay, I had to week's... pull over. I was driving back out to the race site yesterday. Had to pull over because I was worried I was gonna. I was driving dangerously. Yeah, well, one time I, I told you that I had a crash. I fell asleep. Mm. And uh, yeah, nowadays I never – like because I think for people like us, we don't realise how tired we are. Mm. And long-distance driving, I just can't do it. Mm. Like, seriously, I, I, an hour, I need to sleep. Mm. Um, and, you know, I survive in my life because, you know, normally I don't feel that tired, but when I was long-distance driving, so, if I've, 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 like, we, we go down south, which is probably five, six-hour drive, I'll drive for 30 minutes <laughs> and drive drives the rest. But if I did it by myself, it would probably take seven hours because yeah. I'll basically have to stop and have a nap every kind of t- bloody half an hour. Okay, this week's discussion was, what have been the highlights of the your triathlon moment of 2021? Unsurprisingly, Peter Mills, who used to live in Bermuda, said Flora Duffy winning the gold at Tokyo. John Weir's got that Bloomingfield kid is pretty impressive, isn't he? Mm. Uh, Ryan Evans getting third in my last middle distance event of the season in October and finding Joe Skipper's cycling mockumentary podcast. Nice. Joe started a podcast, apparently. It's quite funny. Oh, of course it is. He's a genius. Uh, Arnold's got um, the end of the German era. Good point. And uh, the, the rise of the Norwegian. Uh, Brad Dixon says Hayden Wilde's bronze at the Olympics. So Brad's uh, a Kiwi, lives up in Tauranga, used to be in Christchurch. Uh, Neil Hastings has got a picture of the, the, the British 
team winning, taking the gold medal. For some bizarre reason, they were never mentioned on any of the NTR events in the build-up. It was all France and Oz. Great Britain team never really fielded a strong team in any of these events. It was annoying hearing various commentators write Great Britain chances off when, for me, they had the best team on paper. Also, one of the GOATs, Johnny, was going to... He's not one of the GOATs. He's an awesome athlete, but I agree. I don't agree with the GOAT term, but he's... He's an amazing athlete and okay. he's had an amazing career. He's not one of the goats. Uh, Johnny will go gold on a really few bad days at his standard. So, yeah. Uh, who else have I got here? Uh, David Doughty caught lane in the 100 degree Fahrenheit temperatures with people strewn all over the course due to heat. That was a crazy hot day. Uh, Richard Swan's got Craig Kirkwood's media appearances after Hayden Wilde's Olympic medal. Peter Colson is Flora Duffy winning her 11th World Championships um, race and her gold medal. You've got to get her on for an interview. Good point. She's probably going to be quietening down now after Maui, Flora Duffy. So, yeah. Jay Luke has got calling Ali Salthouse over the Elite Energy Events Shimano Husky Triathlon. Well, that's a name of a race. Uh, He's obviously the MC. Tracy Maguire finishing my first full iron distance in Cascades, Portugal. What a day. Good old skiing Smith OV. That's a name for you. Uh, Cyclone Bomb at Ironman CA. Steve Deodonis, hamstring cramping literally as I cross the line at 70.3 worlds. That's the time for it to hit. That is time for a hit. Yep. Yeah, well, don't want to hit any earlier. Um, Richard Palmer's got Flora Duffy winning Olympic gold and exterior title and everything else she went in. Similar to Christian Blumenfield winning at all different distances. Outstanding. Hua Chin, completing Ironman Chattanooga, got in a bike crash, dragged myself through the entire marathon with a grade 3 tear in my hip flexor, only for Ironman to tell me I DNF because my timing chip did not work in the swim. I sent the head referee at GPX Files and I'm waiting for their updates. It's been months. That's a bit shit. That is a bit shit. It's not your fault their device didn't work. Yeah. That, that sucks. Mick Simpson's got uh, personally crossing the line at Outlaw Half. Uh, after the previous year not racing due to COVID, in the professional world, seeing Lucy finally get the world championship in dominating fashion. Uh, Joel Bell, me and my buddy Scott Shoemate both managed to win our age group at Augusta 70.3, and oh, then his awesome. wife, Kerry Turner Shoemate, browbeat me to, uh, him to taking the 70.3 world championship slots two weeks after he's racing Kona. So Scott will be doing Kona in October, and then two weeks later, he's got to do 70.3 worlds. Yeah. And his wife made him do it. Uh, she's a good wife. Uh, and then Muzz Muzz has got to watch a mixed relay at the Olympics, 70.3 St. George, uh, Lionel versus Sam Long versus a bunch of others. That pretty much is all of it, isn't it? Yep. I'm just thinking, the mixed relay, that was the first time it's been at the Olympics, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was it yeah, at the last been, Olympics? Yeah. It hadn't been at the Olympics, it was the first time. Yeah. No, that was good. Good call, Muzz Muzz. Uh, I am, uh, do you have the Sam Long one? Yep. Um, I'm going one that nobody's mentioned here, actually, and it's a bit of a weird one because there was lots of really good highlights this year. Um, but I loved the try battle, Jan Fredino versus. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Versus not not so and much the actual battle that I didn't. That was never really going to be a battle no, if, um, if Fredino performed. But just to see somebody to go out there and take it, take it, it, and you can't say you can't dispute anything. You can't go. Yeah. Oh, there was there was um, drafting. drafting the distances weren't right, yep. and so on and so on. And it was solo. Um, I just thought that was awesome. And it's something we've never seen before. Lots of other cool moments. I could list probably 10 real big highlights, but I just thought, I was thinking this the other day, thinking 
that was pretty cool to see what is actually possible. And the weather was pretty shit. He put well, it on a bit quicker. Well, let's do your highlights. Well, the Olympics. Olympics, obviously. Um, there's some awesome Super League racing. Um, yeah, and Collins awesome. Cup would probably be pretty good. Well, that was going to be my, 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 my highlight of the year. Actually, I didn't love the Collins Cup, but the fact that PTO have got it, got, got mm. it up and running. You know, to me, this year is a defining moment in triathlon. Mm. I think in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, they'll go, man, when that first Collins Cup came around, that changed the game. Um, and, and, and for really important ways, because pros have been just third-class citizens of the sport mm. for such a long time, and they just haven't had value in the sport. We, we look at what they're doing now moving forward. I really see them being competition to Ironman, mm. and maybe even potentially could be the death of the, I don't know if it'd be the death of Ironman but you know it, it's it's a different game moving it's forward it's going to make Ironman pull their socks up but it's oh, not oh big so, time you know yeah. and it's going to hurt them mm. especially if they do go down that model of doing age group racing where you have to qualify and so on mm. um, and so and good on them you yeah. know like you know screw Ironman because Ironman have screwed them mm. you know and, and if Ironman had looked after them a lot better this would have never been a problem mm-hmm. and so if they can't now it's, it, it might not work so it's still early days but to me the highlight of this year has been it wasn't actually the race because I didn't think it was that spectacular, um, but the, 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 they got there. Mm. Yeah, a few other things for me. There was some, lots of good head to heads this year. So both uh, yeah. world triathlon distance, we had lots of different winners and lots of good races that came down to the closing moments. We had some, the same thing in some seventy point threes with Sam Long versus Lionel Sanders. Um, seeing Flora Duffy just come back and just crushing it was awesome. Um, and we've had lots of different females really rising up to challenge. I think the Americans have certainly lifted their game a bit there. And then seeing Lucy Charles win the 70.3 Worlds in dominant fashion. Uh, yeah, just across the board, there's been lots of awesome racing. And there has been a lot of racing catching up from COVID. So. Who are the athletes of the year? Female, male? Well, you'd have to it's go Bloomin, Blumenfeld on the males and Duffy on the females, I you suppose. Really that, yeah. yeah. Well, you they were, aren't? Uh, Break the world record? Yeah. Was the fastest at Collins Cup? Mm. Didn't have a, a Kona. That's not his fault. No. So I, if if, if there's a Kona in there, you'd argue him and Bloomfield would be pretty close. Mm. And Lucy Charles' performance at 70.3 Worlds was Stella. crushing it. So if you're going long distance, I'd possibly go those two. Uh, although Gustav Eden crushed it at 70.3 Worlds as well. So anyhow, it was a pretty solid year on the racing front. And what's exciting next year is going to be more exciting mm. because next year we're going to have the, the PTO meet races. Two Ironman World Championships. Two Ironman <laughs> World Championships. We don't have the Olympics. 70.3 on a really cool course. Yeah, so it's good stuff. Okay, we've got an interview. We have. We're going to be talking to all this PTO stuff with Sam Renoff. Here he is. Okay, team. Um, as you heard earlier in the show, uh, there's some exciting news coming out from the PTO. Uh, a bunch of races that are going to be happening and um, really building on what we saw from the Collins Cup this year. So we've had uh, Charles Damo on the show several times before. We've had Dylan McNeeson talking about PTO and so and a few others along the way, but we haven't had Sam Aronoff on before, who's the CEO. So welcome along to the show, Sam. Thank you. Good to be here. Nice to connect. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we crack into the PTO news, uh, just so people get a bit of an understanding on, on your background and how, how you ended up um, CEO of the PTO. Sure. Well, talking about the PTO tour and our, our exciting races is uh, far more interesting. But um, <laughs> yes, look, I, I've been in, in and out of the sport for, I guess, close to 20 years. I was, uh, I was a full-time athlete myself as a youngster in my you know, college days. Um, retired at the ripe age of, of 21 because, calling it candidly, A, I wasn't good enough and B, there was not enough economics in the sport. I think uh, I was 
top 10 in an Ironman race had an $800 paycheck. And that was the, the crystallization that I was not going to make uh, a living from the sport. Um, out in a, a few different, um, a few different career paths uh, in technology and finance, and then very happy to have been approached by Charles, as you know, when uh, he was putting together the ideas for for the PTO and needing someone to sort of execute on the plan and bring things together. And, and that's where we've got to some two and a half years later. Yeah, it has been a bit of a rocky old road the last um, couple of years with COVID. But, you know, it, I guess at the start of 2021, you knew, knew kind of knew COVID was probably going to be around. But what, what were your sort of objectives for, for 2020? 21 with regards to the PTO? Uh, a really simple one was uh, deliver the Collins Cup and get it in front of as many people as we possibly could uh, for, for a first time product. Um, as you say, you know, a few years in the making, you know, like the, the PTU that turned into the PTO, we're now five and a half, approaching six years in on that journey, um, slowed by a few different things, most recently COVID, but previously, you know, had, had a couple of false starts. But once uh, once we got going with the, you know, the, the grateful for the support of a, of a very long-term investor and Sir Michael Moritz, we had the path we were able to, um, I would say walk down, but I guess run down is the, is the better example. So if we, um, if we start with the events, um, you know, tell us about how these events are going to happen. You know, you're announcing the US Open and the Canadian Open. I guess where, where are they going to be? What sort of distances are we looking at? And, and uh, yeah, what's it going to look like? Well, they started, you know, your comment before about, you know, we've been teasing the market, talking about this. Um, it's actually something we've talked about since we formed the PTO and and launched the Collins Cup, which is that one of the problems we see in professional triathlon is that there's such a fragmented ca ca calendar, excuse me, um, that there, there are not enough opportunities to see the best athletes all come together. And frankly, if we call it what it is, it really only happens once a year in, in Kona. And what that means is from a for to build a fan-based sport where you're really getting people behind the superstar athletes that we have, it's there's just not enough racing opportunities, right? I mean, one of the reasons why um, Formula One, you know, very, very relevant over the last couple of days mm -hmm. um, is so successful is that Formula One has built a consistent calendar of racing opportunities that allow us as fans to follow the greatest athletes throughout the year. Now, I'm not saying that we'll create 23 events. In fact, uh, I uh, commit to it right now. The PTO will never commit to do anywhere near that many events. But there was certainly a gap in the market here where in order to build up the sport and make it more fan-based and promote the professionals more, we needed to create a handful of racing moments where we could guarantee the best fields. Um, because I'm sure you're sure you relate. Every year, people get excited about Kona and maybe the 70.3 because it gets 70.3 World, sorry, because it does get everyone together. But if you've only got that a couple of times a year, really hard to build up the personalities of the of the athletes and really promote them. So, always at the very beginning, our strategy was to put together a handful of major moments where we felt we could do that. And happy to say, off the back of the success of the Collins Cup, we're now ready to to move ahead. So are the, the, the events that we're going to have initially, are they uh, existing events or are they completely brand new events? And, and what sort of distances are we looking at? Great question. So yeah, no, completely new um, as we looked at what we wanted to do for, for a couple of different reasons. Not to say there aren't fantastic triathlons out there, but one of the things we wanted to be able to do was bring together not only the professionals, but also the age groupers, because they're an incredibly important part of the sport, uh, in a way that we could serve both markets. And by that, I mean putting on a high-value broadcast-first product for the professionals to race in, so that you know we as fans around the world can watch, um, and then also safely deliver 
a call it what it is a, a best in class you know bucket list experience for age groupers that allows them to be part of the action whilst not taking away from the professional side, which requires us to have empty roads and a clear course, because as you know from seeing the Collins Cup, we have a huge amount of production infrastructure that goes out there, and we just don't think that's physically possible to have if you've also got age groupers on the course. So as a result, we've needed to create some new events. Um, the first of those, uh, as, you, as you pointed out, are going to be the, the Canadian Open and the US Open, and they will be four to five day long multi-sport festivals that culminate in a in a professional triathlon racing for a million dollar prize purse, but build up to that with um, a whole host of age group racing opportunities across what we're going to call the 25 kilometer distance, traditionally known as the sprint, um, the middle distance, which for us is the 100 kilometer, um, and a few more other racing opportunities, which we'll announce near the time. Mm. So if, just from a business model point of view, <clears throat> with, for the age group racing, is, is that a more about sort of engagement and just having sort of bums on your feet on the ground um, or is it you know a really important income stream for you guys it's the former um so it's as as you point out it's uh bums on seats and, and engagement and spectators and look the way we look at the market in terms of our customers we don't consider our market just people who participate in triathlon because actually that limits you to quite a small market where instead we look at it in two ways one it's anyone that engages with our content um, and that's both triathletes, but also just general sporting fan. Now, within that audience, though, if you say that the audience of people that will watch a triathlon is, is the PTO's target market, the most avid fan, the most rabid, if I use that word, mm-hmm. are the folks that are not only watching, but they're participating too. And so this gives us an opportunity to sort of really lean in and... What we hope, obviously, we've got to deliver these events this summer, so be pragmatic about it. I'm sorry, next summer. Um that we can deliver a really top experience for our most loyal fans that they not only get to watch and engage, but they also get to participate, which Mm is a, you know, it's one of the really incredible things about triathlon that gets often overlooked, right? I mean, comparing to Formula One earlier, tennis, golf, these are all incredible professional sports that have a participation base, but you can't link the two together, right? There's there's never an environment where you're going to get a, a, an amateur opportunity to race on the Abu Dhabi racetrack, right? Or to go to the US Open and play on center court. And yet triathlon has the ability to do that. And so it's something that we wanted to absolutely include, even though from a, from a revenue and from a business perspective to your comment, not that fundamental to our business plan. It's more about providing great engagement opportunities. So I guess, so you're not really looking at the Ironman type model and being a event business provider. It's more a sort of tack on, you've got the pro race, that's your focus, and you're sort of tacking on the the, the, the age group racing for, for crowds and, and getting more people to the actual event rather than having that as a you know, your main income stream like Ironman, for example. Yes, exactly. So like we've, our model is more like a traditional professional sport. So whether you're talking... NBA, NFL, soccer, where you know it's a mix of revenue streams, right? You've got mm-hmm. ticketing, gate revenue is the equivalent of age group revenue, um, but that's only a very small component of many of those sports that I just mentioned. You know, the bulk of it comes either from corporate sponsorship, um, so you know major brands that are wanting to associate themselves with um, either the athletes or the audience that's watching. Uh, local sponsorship, there's you know, uh, government support from the economic value that you create by bringing crowds together. 
Uh, and then there's there's the age group side. And of course, our, our largest piece is the media, right? So mm-hmm. we are ultimately, if you had to boil it down, rather than being an event production company, as, as you mentioned, you know, Ironman and Challenge and folks really world-class in event production, our focus is content creation and media rights. Mm, nice. Um, so did you, you didn't mention sort of the distances. So for, for the pros, are we looking at Ironman distance or are we looking at your sort of that middle distance where you're, you're doing like a 100-kilometer race? That's right. So 100 kilometers is going to be the distance we'll focus on, at least for next year. And 100 kilometers is a two-kilometer swim, 80-kilometer bike, and an 18-kilometer run. Um, a new distance for the sport, but one that we feel... I won't say we've proven it yet, but we've certainly shown the potential for it in both Daytona and the Collins Cup. And uh, a couple of reasons for that. But one, uh, an obvious statement to anyone that's done triathlon will will know that might sound short, but it's still very much a long distance race, right? That's an endurance activity for, you know, plus three hours, the, the very top athletes will race. And yet it's short enough that we can just about justify it to our tv partners that we can make an exciting show around a you know three three and a half hour runtime um so that's our core distance however you know a lot of our members um and uh, you know we're, we're led by an athlete board that's elected by the athletes um do focus on longer distance racing when i say longer i mean longer than 100 kilometers and so our plan is that by 2023 we will add one additional longer distance race. Um, not sure or, or not really ready yet to share where that will be, but mm-hmm. it will be over twice the distance that I mentioned. So 200 kilometers, so four kilometer swim, 160 kilometer bike, and then 36K run. Nice. But I that's like not that all 23. Distance. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, so what, one of the other claims you've got there, you know, getting the greatest athletes um, to the events. So I guess, you know, money talks, and that's probably going to be the, the number one driver in terms of getting the athletes there. But is there any other means or ways you're going to ensure you've got the best quality fields um and is it a requirement of um you know members who want to be part of like the end of year bonus or anything like that that they actually do your events so it's not a requirement we're an athlete body and we want to you know encourage athlete choice that's why rather than the stick we give the carrot right as you say it's a, it's a big incentive to have the prize purses and to us that's really really important for the product um, and if i go back to you know the two the two races that we've delivered over the last 18 months, both Daytona and the Collins Cup, um, for various reasons, have had some you know, great feedback about the exciting racing and the, the great broadcast and things like that. But to me, if you really boil it down to what made both of those products special was that we got the greatest athletes together and they and allowed them to do their thing, right? To do what they do best. And, and I often use the, the analogy of our job really is just to set a big stage and get as many people to watch it. And to us, that's, as you said, right at the beginning of this conversation, it's fundamental to kind of what's broken in the sport is that there are not enough opportunities where you're getting to watch the greatest athletes altogether. Um, and look, that's that's what makes Wimbledon special compared to other tennis tournaments. I mean, I, I, without putting you on the spot, I bet you can't name another tennis tournament in the UK, right, other than mm. Wimbledon. But Points. we can all name Wimbledon. Oh, there you go. You, 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 you're, a, you're a sporting podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Always, always a risk when I say that. Um, <laughs> I certainly couldn't name another one down in, in your part of the world other than the Australian yeah. Open, obviously, in Australia rather than New Zealand. But um, yeah. And, the, and the, the reason why we've heard of all of those is that we know that, you know, in early February, provided they let them in the country, um, yeah. you know, it's Djokovic, it's going to be Federer, it's going to be all the greatest athletes. And that's what makes it special. And to us, that's a really important component, both from a broadcast perspective but also you know why should an age group care and want to come and do these events it's because they know that they're going to be racing alongside the stacked field of people that we believe 
And we believe that um, the world will recognize this pretty soon as, we, as we're putting our resources behind it, that these athletes are the greatest people, greatest athletes on the planet. Um, and probably won't, well, it might be a problem in the first year, but um, how many athletes are you going to have on the start line at these events? And, and will there be a qualifying criteria, whether that be the current PTO ranking? Or yes, yeah, so I guess how many people on the start line and, and how will they get there? Well, it's, it's absolutely a problem, um, not necessarily for us, but for the sports. I think you call it, call it well, you know, the last thing we want to do is have, you know, a big draft fest of, of you know, groups bunched together. Um, the, the PTO is focused on long-distance non-drafting racing, and so creating opportunities that allow that are really important. Um, so that's a, sort of a starting point. The way the qualification process, at least for the professionals, will work is that the top 14 men and women by their world ranking will be automatically invited rather than selected because there, there is choice here. And we, we hope people will choose to do the race, assuming it fits their training schedules. Um, and then we will have a handful, probably five um, wild cards um, for men and women in, e in each event. And that will allow for two things mainly. Um, people that are coming into form that might have been injured in the past. And so if I use a, you know, a high-profile example, Alistair Brownlee hasn't been racing so much in the last year because of because of injuries and you know, attempting Tokyo. Um, and so he's dropped through our rankings. But an example of an athlete that provided he's in form, you're going to want to have Alistair in the race. Um, so that's one example. And then secondly, just like Wimbledon, providing potentially a development opportunity for a rising athlete in that region. Um, and so we, we've seen that happen very, very high profile with with Emma in, in New York at the US Open of an athlete that can come through for a wild card. And every so often, you know, the stars align and they just they motor through. And so we want to give that opportunity for some of the, the youngsters or the up and comers um, to, to step up onto the world stage. Hmm. Um, you sort of mentioned a little bit about your business model before and you know we, Bevan and I often discuss you know you guys the, the, the cash burn you guys must be going through with you know the support you've been giving the athletes um, which has been fantastic especially through COVID you know Collins Cup must have been hugely expensive to to sort of produce so I guess you know if, if, how long have we have we got you know in terms of um, before you guys start to really generate some income and and maybe explain where that's going to come from because you did, you sort of explained it before, you know, media content creation is where the, where the money's going to come from. But I guess, um, you know, like the big sports channels, you know, they must pay the, you know, for the English Premier League must be billions of dollars, but um, is there realistically, you know, opportunities there for triathlon rights to be sold to broadcasters? Um rather than just getting them on there so we can we can get our sort of product in front of eyeballs with with sponsorship revenue so maybe explain a bit about the business model sure happy to and well look, look two points there um to start with look will will triathlon media rights be worth billions of dollars like the premier league probably not you know maybe in 100 years or maybe 50 <laughs> years we've obviously got a long long way to go um in terms of you know the premier league's been a television sport since you know the 19, 1950s um however for the economics to work for us as an organization which is ultimately to you know put i'm going to use my words carefully um not just meaningful money but the right money in the hands of our athletes and, and by that what we mean is we were created because we think it's a social injustice that professional athletes are not paid more than they are at the moment. Um, and by that, what I mean is that there is money in the sport, but it's not flowing to the right people. 
Um, and that's not necessarily an absolute problem with triathlon. It's just a rec recognition of triathlon's immaturity. There's almost not a single professional sport that hasn't gone through the moment that we're taking triathlon through right now, which is professionals grouping together and, and either through a direct organization or through a structure that forms from one. So in, in very famous examples for, for those in a, no American sport would know that in NFL and NBA, the two largest sports, there's something known as a collective bargaining agreement. So there's, there's a contractual commitment to the professionals that they receive 50% of the revenues. Um, and that, that is not unique. Every sport has been through that time. Triathlon is just young. And so there hasn't been this, this point where the professionals have organized and, and taken a greater share. So, so to us, this is just the natural, evolution of of sport or the path to athlete self-determination which we which we talk about without sounding too philosophical for you but look more um more of a detailed answer to your, your question on on the business structure and, and and again i'll answer answer you in two two parts you sort of said what's the run rate if i sound like mm -hmm. a banker yeah. and then how's the revenue made um the run rate is is long look we were very fortunate that we brought on board some of the most well arguably one of the most famous venture capitalists of all time and uh, that's Sir Michael Moritz. And venture capitalists are very patient with their investments, right? They're not coming in to make a quick buck, buy something, you know, use, using a housing example, like they're not just buying a house, putting a lick of paint and flipping it back on the market. They're taking a very long-term view of a structural change that they can bring to an area. And that's, you know, five, 10 years is kind of the horizons that I'm talking about plus, right? In fact, uh, famously, Without getting off of too much of a tangent, um, Sequoia, which is which is Sir Michael Morris's fund, has recently changed into having no life life term on its actual fund. So it used to be that you put money in, you get money back in a certain time period. They've actually said we want to be evergreen, which means it lasts forever, and there'll be different ways to get money in and out. But it's a reflection of, I guess, in a sentence, very very long term patient investing. Mm. So that's the first sort of first answer to your question. You know, how long do we have? The answer is a very long time because it's going to take some time to do that. Um, mm. But more specifically, and to go into detail on, on, on the business plan, I'm, I'm very happy to. Um, we've always found that anyone that's close to the, really close to the triathlon market, market sort of finds it a little confusing because it's just different to how the current model, right? The current model is largely, you know, 70, 80 plus, 90 plus sometimes of revenues coming from age group entries. And we just fundamentally disagree with that. We think it's totally the wrong model um, for a couple of different reasons. One, it prevents the sport to grow the way it could do and compensate the professionals as they should be, as, as we've kind of already articulated. So that there's a structural problem there. But second, on, on a more personal level, it just means that you're gouging your age groupers, right? It means actually the, the most loyal people in your sport uh, are being charged the most and to us, that's it. Just doesn't make any business sense at all. Like, imagine if, if your most loyal customers are the ones that are bearing the brunt of your costs. There's something wrong there, right? Like, I mean, in any business, that would be a that would be a problem. And yet, for some reason, within triathlon and mass participation sports, we've all come to accept it and and think that it's okay to charge a thousand, twelve hundred dollars for a race experience. Um, mm -hmm. In contrast, so you know, we, uh, so as a result, we are going to work to keep entry fees low. And I'll use a really good example, actually, that many people would relate to is, is the London Marathon. Um, quite famous in the UK, the London, what many people might not know, especially on your podcast and other parts of the world, is that the London Marathon is also, despite being one of the largest marathons in the world, a really amazing experience for anyone who's who's had the benefit of doing it will know that you're getting really top top quality in terms of operations, road closures, the branding, everything about it is world-class. And yet the London Marathon is one of the best value races to do in all of Europe. 
And the reason for that is they don't have a business model that's entirely based on entry fees, right? They look at it, they have TV revenue, they have significant corporate sponsorship because of the audience they have, and they have the city of London supporting them because they generate hundreds of millions of dollars for the local community. Um, and our model is, is, is similar to that in that, as I said before, we've got you know, four or five different revenue sources that will come in. Uh, media rights and monetizing that in the future. So in the short term, we don't need to do it. That's why we have venture capital. They know that we can create the audience and we'll monetize it later. There is support from governments. If we're coming to a region, we're creating a lot of economic impact. And so people want us to come and come and host the events there. Um, very similar to Formula One, you know, that you have these high profile events get announced. And that's because cities are bidding on hosting either, you know, Formula One or the World Cup and other examples. And then there's a few others, right? So it's merchandise revenue, ticketing and sponsorship, which in the short term will be the largest, but long term, you know, those those all sort of begin to become reasonably equal in, in what could only be called like a, a pretty diversified revenue mix. Again, awesome. sorry, I'm sounding like a banker, but so, you know, no, finance no. side of, the, of this. That's great. That's awesome. So um, no, I'm looking forward to that. In terms of the Collins Cup for next year, you know, that's another one of the, the events we've got got listed there. Are we likely, or I guess, what, what were your highlights from this year? And are we likely to see a much difference um, going into 2022? So the Collins Cup, uh, yeah, I mean, we could we could talk for an hour on my feedback <laughs> from the Collins Cup, and, and I'll try not to bore your listeners too much. Um, the Collins Cup showed us two or three things, and I'll just deal with sort of the two major ones. Um, what was most exciting and encouraging and indeed emboldening, because we've obviously built off the back of that and now grown to three major events plus the, the LA Pro-Am that we'd already announced, is that we showed that the core format worked and that long-distance triathlon can be entertaining if you have the right format and you have the right athletes and you have the right talent of people producing the, the, the content. Um, and by, by that, I mean the underlying structure of the match-based formats, athletes un united in teams, racing against together, one, 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 yeah, sorry, three, three people at a time. So mm -hmm. I think we showed that the core of that works. And, you know, to us, not a huge surprise because, you know, we're basing this on the Ryder Cup, one of the most successful events in, in all of professional sport. But of course, when you're launching something new, we had a lot of naysayers and people thinking that, you know, oh, you're paying the athletes up front. They'll never race to the level that we want. You know, they'll cruise down the finish line. And and we knew that wasn't good. That wouldn't be the case. And we were we were um, excited to see, you know, athletes, the caliber of Jan Frodeno sprinting to the finish line. Right. And I've uh, I've joked about this a few times. You don't see Jan Frodeno sprint to the finish line because he doesn't normally need to. Right? He's normally <laughs> so, so far out ahead. But we created a structure that had the jeopardy that had him had him really pushing to the end to get the maximum maximum points. That's the positives, you know, the, the negatives without being unfair to us too much. You know, we delivered this in the middle of COVID. We had a, a lot of production issues, which were behind the scenes that we want to go and fix and, and make better. So whether that's data integration, some of the way that we can jump between the different events, what we did create was something exciting, but incredibly complicated, um, right? You know, 12 different matches across a hundred kilometer radius. Uh, I mean, to give you context, you know, going outside of triathlon, we use some of the top companies in the world of sports broadcasting to put this together. Um, when I say that, like folks that literally are on Formula One, they're on rugby, they're on football. And this was to many of them, the most complicated sports product they've ever been on. <laughs> um, which, you know, bit of a concern to me is, you know, someone that's, you know, trying to monetize and create a new sport that we're creating something so complicated, but also, that's just, that's the nature of the beast. This is an incredible sport that has so many great things going for it, but broadcast has not been one of those. And we need to invest both time and money to make that better. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, and is it going back to the same venue for, for this year or for 2022? 
Yes, I guess by the time this comes out, we will have announced the exact locations. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, the Collins Cup will return to, to Bratislava, to Slovakia. You know, our intention is absolutely, and it has been since I'm sure you had when Charles was on the podcast, to move this event around, unlike the Canadian Open and the US Open, where they will be permanently located in, in their venues. The Collins Cup will move around just like the Ryder Cup does, because it allows us to engage with a new fan base around the world and bring more people into triathlon. Now, that said, we delivered this in COVID. Um, we were incredibly grateful for all of the efforts that the, that the team on the ground, um, so folks at Xbionic Sphere was our venue and then Challenge Family were our, our operations partner. And they really went above and beyond to deliver this in an environment where yeah, everyone was canceling races, right? Like the, this mm -hmm. was a time when it was really difficult to pull off. And so we wanted to, at the most simplest level, reward that loyalty that when we said that, you know, the rights are going to go to other folks, they put their hands up and said, we'd really love to retain this for another year. And so we said, look, let's make an exception because of COVID. Let's go back to go back to Slovakia. It's such an incredible venue for the racing. We can improve some of the things that we thought were obvious to us with the benefit of hindsight. So some things around the course structure that could be better to engage um, a little bit more. Um, and then frankly, we were so emboldened by by how well it did go with the venue that uh, it's just a great opportunity to go back and you know take a what we think was a was a, a a great first time and make it really excellent as an experience um for age groupers and spectators and ultimately professionals awesome now we love your work i think we've covered off most of things in terms of um cool. age groups racing the million dollar prize purses um yeah any, anything else that sort of that we need to need to know about I think we covered it, you know, like uh, this is a very simple business plan. And, and as we've said earlier, and, and you've touched on it, you know, we're not trying to um, create hundreds of events here around the world. We don't want to compete with Ironman and Challenge. We look at this sort of unique opportunity that the sport was a bit fragmented from, from a professional or a broadcast perspective. Let's invest in creating these high value moments that bring the best athletes together. And now that we're hopefully past, and I, I say hopefully, obviously, so much of a moving target, many of the restrictions we all have with COVID now open that up for physical um, interaction with, you know, with age groupers, whether that's spectators on the ground or the racing opportunities within, within triathlon. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, what, the one final part, you know, as, as I said earlier, we don't view the market as just triathletes. To me, triathlon represents the pinnacle of endurance sports. And it's something you'll see us begin to really push and promote the, the, the athlete, the triathlete, sorry, is the ultimate athlete across, you know, as you know, it was founded on the principles of who's the, who's the fittest, the swimmer, the biker, the runner. And so we'll be really leaning into that. And we hope have swimming races, open water swim races, some opportunities around cycling and running within these events. And that will allow us as a sport to really reach out to those component parts, bring more people together and point out the triathletes are the best. <laughs> uh, we love you, but the big, big, big picture stuff. It's awesome. Um, so we've got our fingers crossed for you guys that we have uh, plenty of travel for next year. And um, yeah, love your work. Love uh, everything you guys are doing. Especially love the stats. You know, I love it that I can go onto your, the the PTO website Thank and you you. just find out stuff about athletes within a few clicks. So it helps us from a media perspective. So you're doing great stuff. So keep it up. And thanks for your time, Sam. Thank you. Look, hope to see you on the uh, on the PTO tour in the next year or two. Now, John did that interview after we've recorded this part, so we don't really know what he said, but I'm sure it was pretty amazing stuff. John Bo, let's go into Winger of the Week. Okay, let's go 12. 12. And the reason I did it, the 12 days Oops. of Christmas my true love gave to me. Do you know okay. any of them? Can you name no, any of the 12? No, I Oh, we've had this guy before, so go go again. Okay. And he's he's, he's twenty four. He was the one who's on like about five million oh, different yeah, uh, groups. <laughs> twenty four. I'm doubling 24. the number. Ian on the Banks. Christmas. 
Ian Banks, he's a triathlete because he's been swimming, biking and running. He's from the Parvilla Cycling and Multisport Club. He's got it in his name. He's from Bowie in MD. What's that? Madison? Uh, Madison? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't even know if Madison. Madison's not a state, is it? Any oh, Mar- it? Maryland? I don't know. I've got this. Oh, he's pro- got a bloody private account. Oh, but he's Ian a chief flower owner at, oh, he owns by the look of it. Paravilla Cycles. Okay, let's click on the club for there then. They might have more about him there. Um, but he died last week. He did 14 hours and 14 hours and 57 minutes of training from 13 activities. Swam 2, minute, two hours, 50, 27. Rode 8 hours and 6 minutes and ran 4 hours and 24 minutes. Nice work, Ian Banks. And I'm going to do one other one. I'm going to do the just, last just one. Just while he's here, uh, they're, they're cl- his, cl- his business has a Thursday night beer and ba- bike and beers ride. Nice. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? Dustin Quigley was number 100 this week with 10 hours and 27 minutes of training. Nice work. Good work, Dustin. Okay, let's go questions. Uh, we did get a question through from good old Andy Mystery Man Weston. He's got sending you to, uh, to know, as I go into the break over Christmas, and sometimes you take a bit to respond to questions. Oh, so uh, come down, mate. We, we get there. <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we get there. I'd love to hear your answer to... Uh, this sometimes in January. We're actually doing it before Christmas. This is your Christmas present. Yeah. We're like Santa Claus. So the question is... It's going to go do the Zwift PRL. Okay. So what's uh, the PRL? The for PRL those is... It's the longest ride on Zwift. And it's doing... You've laps. done it? Yeah, I've done it twice. I only recorded once though. Uh, but it's a long distance. It's 173 kilometres, 107 miles. Uh, and you're doing... Is it 11 laps? I think it's 11 laps. Yeah, 11 circuits of the London Loop. So each circuit you climb... Um, Box Hill, which is about 150 metres of elevation. Uh, it's not crazy steep, but it's enough to, to wake you up. You've got a total of 2,290 metres of elevation. And it's, yeah. it's So, so his question is, what do you, just how, how would you go about doing it? Yeah, how do you prepare okay. for it um, and, and any other tips you've got. So my advice would be, in terms of your preparation, if you go along and tick off all the long-distance rides in Zwift that there are, things like the Mega Pretzel, the Uber Pretzel, and all the longer ones, that'll give you really good preparation. Granted, those ones are extremely hilly, um, but they'll still give you some good time in the saddle. You know, basically, you just want to be in really good, good bike time shape. time in the saddle. Yeah. You want to be doing, you know, at least three rides per week, and... What I'd strongly recommend is making sure that one of those rides is a really tough ride, an FTP type session, or going and doing a race or something like that. So you are building up, not just trying to do do mileage. You're doing some hard riding in there. I definitely recommend doing the half PRL, which is half the, it's not as less than half the distance, but you're doing laps around the course, so you get to know the profile. Um, it's mostly a flat course with one climb per lap. I think when we were doing it, it takes around. You know, on average, about 30 minutes per lap. It's 15 k's. We were probably going a bit quicker than that, but you know that gives you an average sort of time. Um, and in terms of preparing for it, uh, I would strongly recommend getting a group of similar ability right, similar ability riders to join you uh, at stages during the, the the ride. The more, the better. And the main reason for that is it's it's just gonna you're going to be a bit more engaged in it and also you're going to be moving significantly quicker when you're on the flat if you've got a group going. No different to being out on the road. You know, you go ride, ride by yourself versus going with a group. It's going to be quicker and it's going to be easier. Um, but within that group, you want to make sure you've got some really clear guidelines. So the times that I've done these big group rides, we've had good communication. <clears throat> you've got some some power output guidelines to try to keep the group together so you don't splinter all the time particularly on the climbs if you are going to split up on the climbs um, having 
getting some regroup points, so it might be at the top or at the finish line, um, and just having a bit of a plan around that, and also figuring out your communication. So for those that are sort of new to Zwift, you can organise meetups, which is where you kind of have a, a group and you'll start together and you can communicate amongst yourselves using the companion app. The downside to that is if you are going to have people coming in late into the ride and joining you, they're not going to be privy to that sort of conversation. So that's the downside of being in a meetup. You can't communicate people that are just on the, the platform just doing a regular old ride. So think about that. Uh, and then also communicate with the group and have a plan around scheduling your breaks. So the two times that I've done it, I'm pretty sure we had a break after lap four and lap eight. Uh, you don't want to probably have any more breaks than that, um, but you also want to decide the duration of that maybe around five minutes enough time to go and fill your drink bottles up or go for a go for a wee and get back on change your bike shorts uh, I would recommend changing your bike shorts yeah, yeah halfway mark because they get soaking yeah. wet and it's a nice feeling putting on a fresh pair of bike shorts uh, you also asked about a bike choice whether you'd go a TT bike or a road bike I'd say a road bike would be much better then you can uh, draft off others if you're on a TT bike you can't draft uh, and also the, the road bike will climb a little bit bit better um tips for the for the actual day is have a bit of a pacing plan um you know think about if you know your power numbers what you can do for an Ironman and you probably don't want to be exceeding those power numbers um have a nutrition plan uh, so you're not just kind of winging it especially your hydration and electrolytes you're going to be sweating huge amounts uh and change your bike shorts at least once loads of chamois cream have that handy just so you can scoop it on there um and have a lineup of things to to watch for however long it's going to take you, six to seven hours or so. It's good, good time. you enjoy it? I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I think it only took us maybe five and a half hours, something like that. Okay. Uh, so what I enjoyed about it, it was the fact we had a group, uh, so then you had to stay engaged. So I still had something playing off the side, but you've got to be watching what you're doing. No different to being out on the road. If you're not concentrating, you're going to get dropped and then it's going to get really, really hard to get back on. So it was quite engaging, but I had the benefit of a you know, reasonable-sized group both times. Mm. So good luck with that. It's a good, little, good it. little build-up. So to, to how many people do you know who've done it? Oh, Lots of people do it? Quite a lot, yeah. but yeah. It'd be it's tough to do by yourself. You know? be, yeah, it's really, really tough. Factor. Sorry? The boredom factor no, as well. I don't get bored at all. Okay. Yeah. Just watch something. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There you go. Good stuff. Uh, okay, John Swansea, you haven't done it? But haven't you done it yet. Doing. No, uh, this is what I'm going to go off and do today. Five 200s to start with. Uh, the odd reps are going to do as build-ups, so each 50 metres, build the pace. The even reps are going to be 25 kick, 25 drill, 50 freestyle with really good technique. Then we go five 100s, so moderately hard. Then five 50s, 25 sprint, 25 easy then start going back up again five 100s hard and then five 200s where the odd reps are 50 meters hard 50 meters easy and then the even reps are moderately hard warm down and that's around about 3k so five 200s five 100s five 50s five 100s five 200s Okay, I've got ahead of us here because we've got a new patron and I've already got the nickname, I think. Good work. But we've got, say, patrons. So let's say thank you to a few patrons. We have Lee 20 Eyes Spore. Ross Give-A-Lot-Little. And Matt the Albatross Young. So we've got a new patron, Adine Tillman. He's from Atlanta in the US. He's been doing triathlon since 1997. Basically pre-internet. That is, about then. Because my daughter was born about then. And it's, well, actually in that year. Uh, 99 was where it kicked off for me. Yeah, it was about then. I remember. I remember. No, I remember early on because I remember going to my mate's house and they had Yahoo. Because you'd be able to download 
guitar songs. Mm. There's a website where you could download guitar songs and I'd go around and get the... <laughs> and that would have been probably about 97, 96. So I've always been self-coached, not too many coaches around in 1997. I work... Uh, for work, I run Paces Funding, which is a private lender to real estate investors. Married with two children, have completed four 70.3 Ironman championships, a member of all three sports elite racing team. He's got a great photo as well, looking sharp on the bike. Looking sharp. They'll be at St. George 70.3. That does look such a nice backdrop at that race. It's cool right. to have a challenging course with cool scenery. Quite unique, not something we're used to in New Zealand where you've got that sort of desert landscape. It looks wicked. That was September this year as well. Mm. Looking fit, mate. Oh, so here's why I'm getting this nickname. Okay. When you were reading through your swim set, which mm-hmm. you were no, fully no engaged, uh, we, I, I read his, I quickly just saw his name and I thought it was Tin Man. Right. So I thought it was Dean Tin Man. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, it's Tillman. Cool. But then I thought the wizard. Of Oz. And then I thought, wait a second, Dean, the Wizard of Triathlon. <laughs> wizard of Triathlon. Tillman. I thought you were going to call him Tin Man. No, 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 because he's a Wizard of Triathlon. You know? The Wizard of Triathlon. That's what you, you are, go. Dean. Nice work, Dean. Dean, the Wizard of Triathlon, Tillman. Thank you well. for joining the crew. Yeah, thanks, mate. Really appreciate your support. Now, if you do want to become a patron, you get a cool nickname. You go on a draw to win some cool prizes. You support the show. You get the boys boy, to Conan's every couple of years. Um, be like Dean. Be like Dane. Go to www.iamtalk.me, go through the process, and uh, they support us in what we do. Let's say thank you to our sponsors. World Triathlon Store, you'll be in the draw to win a $200 voucher, or if you do any orders, you'll get a $200 refund. Uh, so go on to iamtalk.me, click on store. They've got luminescent gear, pink gear, blue gear. It's awesome. Uh, we've got profile design. Just one thing we want to say is if you're racing long course and you have not got a front bottle system, get one profile. We've got great designs around this stuff. All the little bits and pieces, hydration, wheels, storage, or aero bars, stems, handlebars. They're basically the best in the world. And the Magic 5 custom-fitted swimming goggles uh, used by Jan Fredino. Uh, you go in there and there does, a, does a scan of your face and make sure it fits your eyes perfectly so you're not going to have any leaking or anything like that. Uh, so go check them out at themagic5.com. Okay, uh, if you want to get show email to you, go to www.imtalk.me, front page, put your info in. Uh, for coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. My podcast, I released one yesterday and I got some really cool feedback on it. BevanJamesIsles.com uh, and any other content, I'm talkpodcast at gmail.com. Jumbo, your goss? Uh, no goss really other than organising this race. However, Belinda did get a good chuckle out there. I managed to get the, the minivan stuck and uh, I was trying to do a three-point turn. And in, it's, in the it was on shing, shingle. Yeah, uh, on shingle. It was on this sort of raised area and, I, and the, these minivans are bloody long and I'm not really used to driving them. They're more like a courier van, is it? Yeah, it, yep. was, it was long, yep. and I just went a little bit too far back, and I wasn't really concentrating. It was about <laughs> eight o'clock at night, and I'm ah, oh, damn it! And she found that highly entertaining. However, then a guy turned up. It was from Timaru Bruce, and just pick up his registration pack, and he says, "I got two of those vans, mate. They slip on anything. Oh, and really? Absolutely not surprised you got stuck. I'm surprised you even get to drive over those stones. So I felt a bit better about that. But oh. Belinda said he was full of shit. Um, <laughs> so that was that. And then organising the half Ironman. And then the Sunday off on holiday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Kaiteri, how long are you going for? A couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Bevan, what's happening for you? Well, first of all, I just want to say, sharpen up. Who was the person who emailed me? What do you mean? Someone emailed, here we go. Sharpen up, I'm going to name and shame here. Oh, don't do it, just use first name. Sean. Yeah. Sharpen up, Sean. 
I get an email on Friday night or Saturday night, which I didn't see till later on because I don't know was on Saturday night, but saying, race pack, John, we can have oh, the race pack. He won't be listening, Sean McSorley. Yeah. <laughs> Sharpen up, mate. He's been around for donkey's years. He's been around, he was an experienced campaigner when I started. Oh, sharpen up, mate. Yeah. Sharpen up because what, 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 what did you think I was going to say? Oh, I thought it was, I, I didn't know what you were going to say. I thought you were going to, somebody had abused you. Oh, no, 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 no. It was more just, he emailed I am talk about your race. That's, yeah. <laughs> sharpen up, mate. Yeah. Sharpen up. Uh, Christmas, oh, yeah. It's about it. Yeah, what are you doing? Uh, it's a funny one actually because unfortunately my wife's husband, my wife's husband, my wife's dad's very sick, and so Christmas is going to be a bit dif- different this year. Mm. Um, he's, unfortunately, it's not good, and he's not going to, you know, it, it is a time thing, um, and so it's kind of very much playing things by ear this year, mm. which, which is you kind of want to treasure it. Um, yeah, it's sad, you know, but but um, he's got a lover around him, and so we, we, I may, we may go away, but we may not go away as well, so we're kind of just playing it by ear. Um, Christmas Day will be pretty special mm. for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 he's currently in, like, uh, it's not, what's what's the last place you go to? Um, palliative care? Or? Yeah, he's, not, he's in a place that has palliative, but it's not quite palliative yet, mm. um, So, but we think he'll be able to be around Christmas Day, so it's, yeah, it's just a bit, bit shit mm. in that area. Um but other than that, just you know, just unwinding really. It's Looking great. forward to the great unwind. Yeah, hopefully the Kiwi summer arrives shortly. We haven't had it yet, have we? This week is going to be a rubbish. My grass is looking lush. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. Normally this time of year, I'm watering the crap out of it. It gets dry as. Oh, you can't go watering your bloody grass. Why Come not? on, we got a water short. We have a water shortage not here. This year. Yeah, true. You know, no, I, I keep within the rules. Mm. Well, they're starting to charge you for water now. Good. Although saying that, my parents they've got my parents are passionate gardeners. Mm. They got a big garden. I think they use quite a bit of water, and they got their first bill. I think it was like three dollars. Oh. So I don't think you know. Like I don't think it's going to be the end of the world water bills. Uh, other than that, John, I'm looking forward to 2022. Good, because I've got an interesting year next year. I was saying this on my podcast yesterday. I've got a few bits I'm putting out there, mm-hmm. and when I say bits, it's kind of like. Things I've tried, you know, that I'm trying to achieve, but have been there's a long runway to them. So, like the album, mm-hmm. the album is going to come out next year and probably early next year, and we're pretty close. Mm-hmm. Now, the album is a bit, you know, like music's a pipe dream. We we understand that, but we're going to have a shot. I got my second book coming out, which I put mm-hmm. that's a two year project, mm-hmm. you know. So I've got it's kind of a it's a year where potentially because awesome stuff happening, but also where <laughs> that could be a total waste of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of looking forward to next year. It could be. It could be a bit of a transformative year in my life. Sounds good. It. Yeah, so that's about it, John. Awesome. Right, we've still got a couple of shows coming your way with some highlights over the next couple of weeks. So Yeah, so what we'll be doing over the next few weeks, as always, we keep shows coming up. We'll be maybe checking some interviews from my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but there'll be some shows over the winter break. We'll be back in the studios on the week starting the 10th. So have we got three Sweet, sh- three, three shows off. Yeah, because I'm, 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 I'm on holiday, mate. I'm on holiday. One, two, three... Yeah, so the, our next show will be on the in-studio show will be on the 11th, but we'll put something together in the interim. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard. hard.